Hey, Mark. Mark Jacobson leads me through a maze of children's toys in his little apartment a few miles from Stanford University. We head to a small patio out back. And here, sitting on folding tables, within earshot of kids playing and mothers pushing strollers, are the technological wonders that could save the lives of thousands of Syrian people. Most of the rest of the aircraft are piled in my bedroom. That's what we have to work with. This is the home of Uplift Aeronautics and the Syria Airlift Project. So that's the sound of our autopilot turning on. Besides being a PhD student, Jacobson is also an active Air Force officer. During a stint in eastern Turkey, he was frustrated at the inability to get aid into Syrian villages and neighborhoods that were cut off by either the government or rebels. And that got me thinking that maybe if you can't get a big airplane in, you could get a lot of little airplanes in. A totally different paradigm for airdropping aid. Jacobson shows me a couple of planes and how he can control them from his laptop. One plane is so small and light it can be launched by hand. Another is nicknamed Walid. Named after a Syrian doctor I met who would uh, rush to the sound of attacks to go help people. And this is a little bit larger plane, capable of carrying uh, about a one kilogram payload in a box like this and airdropping it by parachute. And it can do a round trip of about 120 kilometers. So the vision is to use, develop a system to use large numbers of planes like this one to deliver small packages of aid in places that land transport or big aircraft can't safely get in. With 10 drones flying all night, he estimates they could deliver 400 pounds of aid. Well, it has to be high value and low mass. So, for example, there's people who've died in Syria because they can't get insulin. There's been hospitals having to reuse blood bags because they can't get clean ones. During the Nepal earthquake, we had someone call us that was asking for help delivering water purifiers to isolated villages they couldn't get to. So I don't think two-pound packages are going to apply for everybody, but in certain specific cases, two pounds can mean the difference between life or death. Jacobson has developed strategies to keep the bad guys from hacking in and getting control of the drones. He's got the cost of each one down to about $500. After doing some test flights and raising almost $40,000 in an online crowdfunding campaign, Jacobson was hoping he'd be delivering aid to Syria by the summer of 2015. But as winter approaches, these prototype UAVs sit on his back patio waiting for funding, partners, and Turkish government approval. The whole idea of using drones in conflict zones has been controversial because of their legacy as weapons. There's a lot of skepticism and distrust among aid organizations. And that skepticism isn't limited to aid organizations or even to conflict zones in the Middle East. Right here in California, there's an ongoing debate about drone surveillance and safety. Almost an hour north of Stanford, in Alameda County, a small group gathers outside a Board of Supervisors meeting. Nadia Kayali is one of a dozen people standing under a 10-foot-long model of a Predator drone. Alameda County Against Drones, in fact, believes that the potential concerns with drones are too great to justify any use of drones at all in Alameda County. The, the potential payoff is minuscule compared to the potential abuse of civil liberties and privacy. Inside, Alameda County Sheriff Greg Ahern is facing a larger group of concerned citizens, defending his intent to spend $31,000 on a drone for search and rescue and other emergencies. 
He's facing a hostile crowd, though. No intention to put weapons on the drones. We will not ever put weapons on that system. So, so... Okay. You can have it in writing, you can have it in word, you can have it in the hearing. No weapons go on. Michael Rubin with the local Green Party wasn't convinced. What I hear is that the that law enforcement is asking us to trust them. And frankly, I believe that the level of trust required to embark on this is totally absent with large parts of this community. On this day, back in 2013, the drone opponents had their way. The county government refused permission for the purchase. It's just one of many examples of Americans pushing back against drones. More than a dozen states restrict drone use, and many cities and counties have passed their own drone bans or restrictions. There is going to be a great deal of public resistance uh, to the use of UAVs, even in the case of humanitarian aid, because it's an unknown technology. Terry Meathy is a criminal justice professor at the University of Nevada at Las Vegas. He's part of a team of researchers who've been studying public perceptions of drones. In a 2014 survey, they found 93% of adults are opposed to the use of drones to monitor people's daily activities. Less than half support the use of drones for monitoring criminal activity in public places, and only a third think governmental use of drones increases personal safety at all. The public has not been engaged in the debate about the applications of drones, and there needs to be a, a citizen buy-in to any kind of technology, and I think that's the important sociological question is how do you get a buy-in in a technology that has been used in military operations and a technology that has enormous potential Uh, but also some uh, kind of scary consequences. Joel Lieberman, chair of UNLV's criminal justice department, says a major event involving drones could be a game changer. You can think about Hurricane Katrina or similar situation where a river floods and people are cut off and they're unable to get food and medical supplies. And the cavalry appears in the form of drones flying across that river and into the flooded areas and delivering those packages and um, people seeing the good that can result from drone use. And I think that really will shift public opinion. Okay, well, I'll have you stand up right over here so you're not in the plane propeller in case something happens. Mark Jacobson says his Syria airlift project could greatly benefit from some clarity from the government. Commercial operators like him have been waiting years for regulations from Congress. The biggest problem right now is there's no legal standards or rules for how drones should be used. And in that vacuum, a lot of bad stuff is happening. There's not agreement over who can use them, where they can fly them. So that's feeding the public distrust of drones. But because the public distrust... The FAA and other organizations have been slow to figure out new guidance. So we're all kind of working in a vacuum. For now, Jacobson sits frustrated while hundreds of Syrians die every week. For America Abroad, in Stanford, California, I'm Andrew Stelzer.